LinkedIn News. Find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That proverb has echoed throughout the workforce for generations. Yet, is it true? Well, we're talking all about it on today's episode, right after this break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. So the quote I mentioned at the top of the show is something I hear a lot. It comes with the territory when you do nothing but focus on the world of work for a living. Yet, it never sat quite right with me. After all, love is a very powerful emotion. Should you try to apply that to your job? Also, is that what you should look for during your job search? Well, what better time to discuss this topic than Valentine's Day? Joining us for this conversation is Farah Shargi, who is a career coach and growth specialist. Farah knows a lot about work and the relationships people have with their jobs. She's been a recruiter for years at staffing firm Robert Half, The New York Times, and tech giants like Lyft, Google, Uber, TikTok, and more. To kick things off, let's hear Farah's take on that old proverb. Here's Farah Shargi. I have a visceral reaction when people talk about, oh, you have to find your passion and do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. To me, it's one of the quickest roads to poverty is the ideology of follow your passion. And in my experience of people who were quote unquote successful, did it a different way. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite stories is from my friend Andy. She wasn't a runner, but she became a marathoner. And she talked about the thump thumb. And even if you love running and you love doing races, you still have to do the thump thump, which is the work to get there. So you might enjoy pieces of it and maybe you would even call it love. But at the same time, you can't get there without doing the work. A lot of the times the work isn't great, right? Like my mom would come home from work and I'd ask my mom, how was work? And she goes, work is work. And that's fine. But that work is work mentality can also make you great at your job. So I find that if you find aspects of the work that you do to be enjoyable and something that you love, then it can lead you down that road of happiness once you come to terms with a few things. What I've learned from people is if you find something that you're just good at, that's like easy for you to do and you don't mind doing it on a regular basis, that to me is the key to success. Yeah, I really like that because I think there are so many different types of people and how they fit into that equation. And how do you suggest people go after that or find what would make them at least what I always say is not miserable? Yeah, that's the litmus test, right? I think there are a couple of ways that we can do that. There is the concept of intrinsic versus uh, extrinsic motivations. So extrinsic motivators are things like money, benefits, things that are outside of our controls. And then there's the intrinsic ones. What is it that really motivates you? So for example, I have friends who work in the animal rights community. I have a friend who owns a vegan dog food company. He's very passionate about dogs and their health and wants to make sure that he's providing 
eating good food because he loves animals. So it's that love of animals that's really driving him to pursue his passion. I have other friends who work in the music industry or the wine industry. And what they've done is they've been able to pursue parts of those fields that have been able to provide them with the lifestyle that makes them happy. So what is it internally that's gonna move you? And then it comes from the outside. So it's really figuring that out. And the way that you figure that out is you just try a lot of different things. You talk to people, but trying it I think is key. And so if you can just go work at a coffee shop, see if you even like talking to people. If you don't, well, okay, maybe a customer facing role is not for you. Yeah. I think that's really great. And then also one of the things that people sometimes forget is that the things you do outside of work can also inform you. So if you are part of a community organization where you're putting together volunteer teams or something like that, so you can at least get close to that idea. And that's how you could test those things out. And also what I like, too, that you sort of hinted at is what I always tell people is think of what you want to get out of life or something that you're really passionate about big picture. And for me, it's giving people information that unlocks different areas of opportunity for them. And I think that's why I got into journalism and I still get to do that with Get Hired. And then other people, it might be education. And maybe you don't want to be a teacher or that's not really your style because you don't like dealing with children. But the idea of education is important to you. So maybe you work for a school in a support capacity or maybe you work for a college in admissions or something like that. So you're still serving that overall goal of education, but it's not necessarily you're on the front lines as a teacher, but it's still serving that mission. Absolutely. And I find that where a lot of people misstep is because they go to university or college, they put down all this money to get educated. But then what are you going to do with that education? It's really just being practical and going, okay, if I get, let's say, a liberal arts degree or a communications degree, what can I do with that degree? Do I have to get a master's if I get this degree? Some professions require that. And then let's look at the money side of things as well. If I have to accumulate a lot of debt, will I be able to pay off this debt? Because let me tell you, I have a lot of friends who became really miserable because they have to spend 20 years paying off their student loans. That's not going to make you very happy. We'll be right back with Farah Sharkey. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with Farah Sharkey, who is a career coach and growth specialist. Something that I was wondering about, too, especially with job seekers, and I see this a lot where people don't have the job yet, but maybe they've heard from the employer or they read the job description and they fall in love with the job. And that sort of sets them up for disappointment. What is your advice for people who maybe fall into that trap? I've been on both sides of that coin and it's so disheartening and it breaks your heart when it doesn't work out. And you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? What you don't see is what's going on behind the scenes. So in your eyes, okay, this job is a perfect fit. From what I can tell, from what I can see, it's a perfect fit. Well, first of all, you're not going to get the full scope of what the job actually is because a job description can't fully encapsulate all of that information. So keep that in mind, number one. Number two, not to speak ill of hiring managers, but as someone who's been in recruiting for several years, oftentimes hiring managers either don't know exactly what they want or they want this unicorn version of a candidate that doesn't exist. Job pursuit and job creation, like none of that is a perfect science. It's not black and white. You've got humans hiring other humans and humans are imperfect. And so I think what we have to always keep in mind as job seekers is and I tell this to all of my clients, is to always have a lot of irons in the fire. Have a lot of things going on at the same time. Don't just apply to one job and just assume that's it. That is one of the worst things you could possibly do because what if you get an interview somewhere else and you realize, hmm, hang on, based on this, I'm seeing some flaws over here, right? It gives you something to compare and contrast when you're in the job search. I know it's difficult and you want to just like attach to that job and go, oh, I really want it. But sometimes when you hold on to something super, super tight, you actually end up losing it. So it's better, again, to just have a lot of irons in the fire and just trust that the right position will open up for you. And you as a job seeker should be asking the right questions. Don't just listen to what the recruiter or what the hiring manager or the interviews are saying to you. You also need to ask really difficult questions to ascertain whether or not this really is your dream job, because what if they're just selling you a farce? Totally. And also, one of the things about all of that, too, is to keep going, because a lot of people, and I know even among my friends and family, they'll get you know, a decent amount along in the hiring process, maybe first or second round interviews. And they do just sort of let all the other job searching fade away because they sort of think, well, I got this locked. And I always sound like a terrible friend or confidant because I'll always tell them, you know, make sure you keep looking. 
and I would love your thoughts on this. What do you tell people about going into a job? Because I think sometimes there is that like honeymoon phase where it's training, things don't seem as bad, but then eventually the work starts and people are sort of thrown into the deep end and they may think, ooh, I made a mistake. Yeah, I've been there, done that myself, unfortunately. And what I would say is this, taking a step back, we all have control over our careers to an extent that we can control it. When you're onboarding in a new job, yes, go through that honeymoon phase, but also know that, okay, I am here on a mission. And if your mission is, I just wanna go to work every day, not be bothered, work here for 10 years and just leave, okay, great. But I would assume that your audience aren't those people. These are the folks that actually wanna level up in their jobs and their careers. And so on your first day, you need to start scheduling your one-on-ones with your manager, have structured one-on-ones with your manager that you actually lead. You also need to identify key stakeholders, your cross-functional partners, and there should actually be a path to promotion that you're thinking about and you're being active about and thinking, okay, if I start this job within two to three years, I need to get a promotion. How do I do that? So let's reverse engineer that into some core verticals. When you do have those structured meetings and you start meeting with cross-functional partners and your manager and you're figuring out, okay, what are my goals? What are my KPIs? What are the OKRs? Like, what are all of these things? You've already started doing the right steps to make sure that you're taking control of your job and your career. Yeah. And especially once you feel like you have more control, I think that also gives you some confidence, which can be interpreted as I'm in charge of my destiny. And obviously there are going to be variables, so you have to account for those. But I really like that idea of steering my own ship when it comes to my career. I know where the exits are. I know in the direction I'm heading. And then I guess the question then leads to when do you know that Okay, this isn't my fit. So at what point do you think people should really start saying, I need to look for a new opportunity? Yeah, that's a terrible place to be in. But again, (laughs) I agree with you. I would say before pursuing another opportunity, whether it's internally or externally, so at the company or outside the company, see if there are other opportunities for growth within your role. So at that point, you can go to your manager and say, look, I think I'm doing a great job. I'm hitting all my numbers. You know, are there other things that I can do? Is there anything I can maybe take off of your plate? Because that will then help the manager. Because if you scratch their back, they'll scratch yours and then you can get a promotion. That'll make you more money, might make you happy. So that's one idea. The second is depending on the size of the company. So typically larger companies will allow some type of internal mobility where you don't leave your job. But what you can do is you can either go on loan or sometimes they call them bungees where you can go and support another department in another capacity. So I would say pursue that path first if that path is available to you because growth within your role is a better idea because you don't want to job hop too, too much especially when times get tough or, or mm-hmm. you're bored in your job. And it happens to everybody. You yeah, know, yeah. It's all a balance, but it's whatever balance works best for you. And I think if you're at your job and there's really no opportunities for internal growth, that's when I would start kicking in the network and start, you know, inviting folks for a little lunch or a coffee <laughs> and just going, so I hear you work at XYZ Company. What's going on over there? Because if they are healthy, great. Then maybe there are some opportunities there. And since you already threaded that needle, so to speak, of, oh, okay, I've already met with this person. Then you can then reach out to them and say, hey, thanks again for our coffee date. Actually, there's a job at your company that I would love to apply to. Would you be comfortable providing me with a referral? Referrals are so powerful because 
I don't know if people know this, but from the recruiting side of things, most companies have referral rules, so to speak, for recruiters. So if a referral comes in, a recruiter has to take action on that referral within a time frame, like 48 hours or 72 hours. They either have to take action on it by rejecting the candidate or moving the candidate forward. Yeah, that's a good point. And before I let you go, what would you say is the guiding principle of I want to not be miserable at my job, but I also understand that I can't love it every day? For me personally, it's more about the fulfillment of did I make a difference? It's am I making a difference in this business that's allowing people to have jobs? Am I making a difference in this person's life? That's what internally motivates and drives me. And so people just need to figure out what really motivates them. So I think it's perspective and taking that step back and realizing that we all kind of get caught up in the minutia of the annoyance of like, I've got 10 Slack messages and I've got all these pings over here and I've got all these things I have to do. But really just taking that step back and going, am I making a difference Am in someone's life? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, I think, okay, well, all right, let's just keep doing that. And if we are, but then we're still super miserable, eh, that's when we need to maybe pursue something else. Yeah. Maybe it was a rough day, but I still made a difference. I think it's a really nice way to walk away from work at the end of the day. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Andrew. It was lovely to be here. That was career and company growth specialist, Farah Shargi. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you liked this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday, because we'll be continuing these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow, Asaf Gidron engineered our show, Joe Georgi mixed our show, Dave Pond is head of news production, Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer, Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.